This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are some moments in life you never forget. The depression hit everyone hard. No jobs, no food. We were broke. Looks like you still owe a balance on this semester. So what's that about making some money? Yeah, the rowing team. Your honor, you get a part-time job included, you place to live. Eight-man crew is the most difficult team sport in the world. The average human body is just not meant for such things. Most of you will not be chosen. Beautiful speech, coach. And action! Hello and welcome to episode 378 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and high-end TV and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to royally sink that boat in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson and you are? I'm Dom Lenoir. And on today's episode, Dom sat down with producer Grant Hesloff. Now, if you don't know Grant, he is the producer of the film, which is out now, called Boys in the Boat. Oh, yes. And he's a long-time collaborator, a very long-time collaborator, with Master George Clooney himself. Indeed he is. So, Dom, were you up the creek without a paddle with Grant Hesloff, or were you rowing in the right direction? Yes, I feel like we were all in the same boat, boat. Paddling, <laughs> paddling anecdotes, uh, you know into the into the slipstream and having a lovely time. I like that. What will our audience learn from your lovely chat with Grant Hesloff? So they'll, they'll learn how to build long-term relationships, such as with Grant and George Clooney, and they started out together and kept in contact. They will learn about finding original IP and why they prefer that method for building their projects together. They will learn about being nimble on set and not over-directing. Hmm. I love it. And you obviously talked about Boys in the Boat, the latest film from Grant and George Clooney. I love it. And it's really interesting what you said there you know, and what our audience will learn about building long-term relationships in this business because it's so important. Were, were Grant and George, did they meet when they were young? Is that something that they you talked about? Yeah, they met years ago, um, you know, before either of them were really famous um, and formed a relationship, which is, which is brilliant. Yeah, and so important. Like, like in this industry, it, it really is about relationships. And if people trust you and know you and like you, they will, when you send a project their way, will want to work with you, uh, especially if you work together in the past. The amount of repeat business, you know, in, in shop 
terms you know if you go and get a jacket from someone and you liked each other you probably go back to the same shop and it's the same with filmmaking there is no difference you know you go to the same restaurant because you liked it or you like the staff or you like the food and it's the same with filmmaking it really is you like the same writers you like the same producers or crew so i really like that should we read out some of grant's credits because as as don mentioned there he was an actor a couple of them we'll read out a couple of them he was in true lies <laughs> he was in uh, Congo, um, The Birdcage, Dante's Peak, Enemy of the State, and The Scorpion King. And then he directed Part 6, um, which was a really cool independent movie, which led to him co-producing Intolerable Cruelty, which George Clooney starred in with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, and then I imagine when they were there, um, working together, he slipped in the script for Good Night and Good Luck, which Grant wrote produced and ended up um, starring in it as Don Hewitt as well, which of course George Clooney directed, which must have started their producer-director relationship. Other credits then include Leatherheads, again, which he produced and, and was in as well, which George Clooney directed. Men Who Stare at Goats, which he directed and produced. Didn't star in The Goat. No, but George Clooney did star in that movie. He also um, directed all of George Clooney's Nespresso adverts. Every single one of them. That's cool. It's kind of really cool. Uh, then he a went. Of an espresso. It is. Then he went on to produce *The American*, which again, uh, which again starred George Clooney and star uh, and directed by Anton Corbin. Then he produced and wrote *The Ides of March*, which uh, George directed and starred in, along with Ryan Gosling. Then he produced *Argo*. And then August, Osage County, which was directed by Jonathan John Wells. And then he produced uh, and wrote The Monuments Men. He also produced Money Monster, Suburbicon. And then he produced The Tender Bar, which was George Clooney's latest movie before um, The Boys in the Boat. Uh, he also exec produced The Ticket to Paradise, which George starred in. I mean, that relationship's immense. To be still working with the same, you know, person over all that time as a producer, director, switching that combo around. So Grant directed them sometimes, Grant starred in them, George starred in them. Wow, what a relationship. What a relationship. Just like me and you. Just, Just like, me. like me and you. But maybe not quite as handsome as those two. Yes, maybe not as handsome as those two. But interestingly, <laughs> uh, Catch 20. Not far off. Yes, and, uh, not far off. And that is a catch. Who, who are you, George or Grant? And that is uh, a very Catch 22 situation because they also produced and George directed Catch 22, the TV series as well. Love that. Oh, oh, very good. Very, very good. So that chat with Dom and Grant is coming up for you, like in about a minute. Um, but thank you for all those of you who listened to last week's episode. Well, two actually. J.A. Bayona uh, talking about Society of the Snow, which, as Dom rightly said earlier, has been doing what business? Snow business. He's <laughs> 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 been doing There's no business like snow business. There isn't. It's, it's uh, full on. I mean, um, it's, a it's avalanche. It's been, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's been, <laughs> it's been a, an avalanche. Uh, it, it was a nice idea that's turned into a, it's a nice idea that's turned into a, a massive hit. Actually, it's, it's like blown a lot of the the big contenders out of the frozen uh, water. Yeah. You can listen to that one after you've listened to this with Grant J. Bayona also directed The Impossible and The Orphanage. Uh, and then last Tuesday was Oppenheimer. Um, we had the HODs behind Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. That's an absolute wonderful episode to listen to. So, uh, so next Tuesday could be um, Dom's chat with David Ayer uh, about The Beekeeper. Whoa. I know. 
Was that a filmed interview? Yeah, and it was filmed as well. Got a great photo for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the, the Facebook profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for that. And then also we've got Adana Kippel talking about Reflect. It looks like we've got Daniel Kalua as well soon talking about the kitchen as well as production team. Um, Oliver Krimpass is soon as well as the promised land um, and the bike riders and Sarah Green uh, and the director Jeff Nichols or on Tuesday it could be the end we start from where Dom sat down and chatted with Mahalia Bellier yeah, the director also uh, also met Jodie Comer yeah she's amazing isn't she funny little anecdote for that for, the <laughs> for that episode as well <laughs> but for now though this is Dom uh, sitting down and having a great chat with Grant Hessloff the producer of The Boys in the Boat which is out. Granted. Yeah. In cinemas. Here it is. Hello. Hi, Grant. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? Very well, yeah. Busy busy time of year with all the uh, the uh, the films and the award seasons, but it's, it's the best time of year because you get to see all the, the meaningful dramas back-to-back, um, you know, great experiences. It was, it was really nice, actually, to um, to go to the, the screening in London the other day uh, with some of the cast and crew. I had, had a lovely chat with with George, and I've been saying to everyone, because, you know, you, you meet people from the films, and uh, sometimes they hang around, and sometimes they're, they're whisked off after the ceremony, but George, um, George stuck around, and um, he said hello. He was friendly, personable. And um, I've heard from so many people that his his attitude is, is just is just brilliant. You know, there's there's no divide, there's no barrier, um, and I think that's such a nice thing for you know filmmakers, whether you're at the top or you're just starting out, um, that you can go along and you can see an amazing film, and then you know you chat to the director afterwards, uh, and they they make you laugh and. Uh, you're all part of the same. You're in the same boat, <laughs> the same the same rowing boat. To, to start off with a, a little little joke there. Yeah. How, how is how is all the the screenings for you? How, how's that that part of the the process for you as a producer? Oh, it's the I love screening because it's you know the reason you make these films is because you want you want an audience and you want people to see them, particularly in a film like this where you're where you really feel like audiences enjoy it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we've all made films where uh, maybe they didn't work as the way that you intended them to, but this one did. And so it's, it's really fun to see it with an, I love to sit and, you know, and we don't, you know, we don't get that many chances to see it with an audience either. So George and I would do a lot of filmmakers, you know, like we always want to get there early before the screenings are over so we could, sit in for the last reel and just see how people are reacting yeah there's nothing there's nothing better than because because obviously you have your own ideas about the film when it's in a script phase or when you're going through the the rushes and 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 all of that but when you actually get to see it with an audience that there's bits that you weren't sure were funny that the audience are laughing at and there's other bits that you were expecting to be like a slam dunk which didn't uh, you know didn't make people laugh but you know people enjoy things in in ways that you never never would have expected it's true and it's 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 you know George and I both started doing uh theater you know live theater mm. and when we were young much much younger and um so we always love to be able to see the films uh, with an audience because you can tell wh- where the film is working and if it's not working and mm. you know um and that's why you know some some filmmakers don't love to do previews we like to do the preview part I don't love so much the the um the focus group stuff, you know, because those yeah. those can devolve and they can they can be led, but one person can kind of take over. But when you mm-hmm. sit in a theater with 
600 people who have that have no idea what it is they're going to see and you get a real reaction it's very helpful in 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 the in the editing yeah i mean on a film like this um because we're in the sort of the award season uh territory at what stage do you do you start to think about you know when when the film is going to be placed are, are we talking about this at the the script stage or is it is it much later in 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 the proceedings that you think okay well this is this is one that's got real legs uh let's time this around you know certain festivals that kind of process on a film like this it it wasn't the script stage there are some films that you know are made where uh, and i would say that's more uh you know sort of maybe you know maybe like superhero like films where you know like it's there releasing it we ha- and and then they back into a date so sometimes they'll even start without a full script which i always think is the biggest disaster that any any anybody can make uh exactly. um so on this one i th- i can't i'm trying to remember when we dated it i you know i think we dated it once we we previewed it the first time and then right. because once you preview it then you're like all right are we going to do a lot more work to this film or are we pretty close to done and for this one we we were done because we we did we previewed it, we realized it it was exactly what we wanted, and then yeah yeah then it was just talking about when would be the right time to release it, and it, you know we knew George and I at least knew that this is a film for the whole family, so for us this is the perfect this, this was like the perfect date this is the dream date yeah I mean it's it's a great time for it and it, it's it's a nice feel good movie and I, and that was one of the things that that struck me is that it, it just had that warmth there's the heavy dramas and there's the, the sad things but but also you really do need those inspiring stories and and I think there's 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 actually a sort of a shortage of it sometimes is it's just a, a good well-made feel-good movie that isn't cheesy yeah well you know that was that's the thing and you know if you know our body of work at all, you know, we, we can make some cynical films and we can make. Mm. Some oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but we were very, very, uh, we were very interested in making a sort of a more of a feel good film because it, it has felt at least for us and particularly, you know, in the States, it's just felt, it's just felt like a dark time and, and, and yeah. also in, and with events around the world. So it, sometimes, you know, a movie doesn't have to, you know, uh, be groundbreaking if it just makes the audience feel good and feel something. But but at the same time, I mean, it, it, you know, you say you say groundbreaking, but a, a well-made film. I, I think a well-made Hollywood film or a, a well-made drama. Um, it doesn't have to be sad to be very well-made. Uh, it, it's actually it's actually quite hard to. I think it's quite hard to make a feel-good story that doesn't feel sometimes a bit saccharine or sometimes a bit sweet. And uh, you know, this this was a this was a, n- a nice nice kind of change, uh, especially when you're dealing with some of the time around World War Two. It, it it could have gone very heavy. Um, you managed to sort of capture that that moment in time yeah we sort of felt on that one that like uh, that you know w- w- there isn't a better and when i say better there isn't a worse villain than than hitler yeah uh, <laughs> in modern times for us and so we didn't you know we didn't need to comment on it uh too much there 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 were actually some other pieces that we actually cut from the film that did a little more commenting and we as we watched over like yeah you know what that doesn't really serve the film yeah so so can we talk about how this this project how it sort of got its first legs how the idea came about so you know it's based on a on a a fantastic book by the same same name yeah Um, and i had read this book many years ago when it had come out and um we 
and tr- and tried to uh, try to buy it and didn't didn't get it and you know that that happens all the time. So, so what, what 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 went wrong in the the buying process for the book? Somebody uh, somebody another studio just paid more money. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, bidding war. Yeah, sure. Um, or, or whatever reason, maybe they had, I don't remember the particular circumstances could have been, they had, you know, somebody else attached or it was a director. I, I don't remember what, this was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, and then, um, many, many years ago, uh, I mean, sorry, then cut to many years later and, um, we, George and I had made a new deal at MGM and, uh, when we got there, you know, when you get there, they usually say, oh, here's some properties we have. And uh, this was a property that that they had just recently acquired. Like they, hmm. they had gotten it through like a bankruptcy, a thing. It was like, you know, it, one of those just crazy things. And so I said, oh, well, that's something that I've always loved. And uh, I reminded George and he's like, yeah, let, let me let's read it again. And we did. And then we thought. Okay, this seems like this. This seems like something that would be really. Uh, so, so were you were you both the natural choice um, for for MGM? Was it was it okay? Th- these these two would stylistically fit the film very well, or, or was it was it a bit of a pitch? No, I mean, I think it was one of those things. Like they, did, it came up in conversation that they had the book, and I said, "Oh, I love that book." Mm. Uh, you know, who is there anybody attached? Do you have a script? Like, what's the what was the situation? And then once we sort of got that all sorted out we decided that we wanted to start from scratch. Right. Um, we wanted to hire a writer who we loved and, mm-hmm. and just develop it in the, in the normal process. So, so let's, let's talk about this um, development process because we're, we're a filmmaking podcast. So we love going into the, into the details. So you've got the IP, you've got the, the studio involved, which is obviously a, a very big step in getting anything off the ground. How did you, t- how did you two work with yourself and George and the writer in terms of that collaboration with what parts of the book to adapt, um, how to structure it, where, to start the story, where to end the story, those kind of decisions. We had just done a film uh, recently, or back then it was recent, uh, called The Midnight Sky. And, yes, yeah, the sci-fi. And Mark Mark Smith had had adapted that. He also wrote The Revenant, and he's a he's just a terrific writer and yeah. a really uh, easy collaborator, which for mm-hmm. us is important. And so we called him up and sent him the book, and he 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 felt the same way we did about it. So that this one was, you know, this one was pretty easy because it's, uh, the story is really good and it's the book, the book is very good. So the hardest thing we had to do is figure out how do we tell the story and only show three races basically, or three big races. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Because the book has a lot more races. There's a lot, there's a lot more races and it's, you know, and it spans a lot of time. And so it's figuring out sort of how to, compress it there's also a lot of backstory in the book and and i think Hmm. decided that um we didn't need as much as they had in the book or we couldn't we couldn't have it there's so many characters i mean i suppose that's that's the the tricky bit in this one i mean there there is but really i mean you know and then the decision we made and it's pretty apparent in the book too is that you know you're this is the point of view of joe rance this is his story and this so everything sort of stems from that and and so when as we're you know, as we're talking about, you know, what to put in the book. And I think, I think Mark did an outline. Usually he does, mm. um, uh, you know, not a detailed outline. Uh, I can't, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the really detailed outlines. You know, some writers will write like a 40, 50 page outline. Yeah. Uh, 
but then you're halfway to the script. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like a more of a bullet point outline. That's more mm. of a structure because you know, most of the writers that, that we work with, you know, I'm, I don't worry that they're not going to put all the good color in. Yeah. I just want to see what the lines, you know, what the, what the structure is. And so uh, once we had that, then he wrote, you know, a draft and then, and George and I had notes and, and we just, get on the, we get on the phone and we just talk about them, but he, he delivered us a really good first draft. Yeah. So I'll tell you, you know, I would say that, uh, the percentage of first good drafts that I've read in my career. And, uh, I hate to say it's, it's a long career now. Yeah. It's probably about 3%. Wow. I mean, I could think, well, I can think of like, we, we got Argo, uh, I got the first draft of Argo and I was like, okay, well, th this is the, this is a film. This is, you know, it's now all we need to do now is figure out like who's, who's going to direct it, who's going to play the lead. And then we can adjust a few things as we go, but yeah. you know, and it's just, it's just so rare that that happens though. Mm, it, it is. I mean, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult sort of point of view actually getting that first, that first draft because, uh, you know, sometimes you've got the, all these ideas and then it, it comes through and it, it's, it's nowhere, nowhere near. Uh, and I think a lot of the time, uh, writers or, or directors are, are too eager to send out that first draft. Um, and sometimes it, it might be a lot more. It might be 17 drafts before it's actually, you know, all of the structural stuff, uh, sorted out. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking with, um, a terrific writer, Jez Butterworth. Uh, uh, British writer the other just mm. day, and we were talking. We were we were talking about um, you know one of his mentors. He was Sidney Pollock, who he had was writing a script for. And he was he was young at that time, and he just and I said, mm. well, you know, what was that like? And and he said, you know, we 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 wrote this script for was he and his brother, and he wrote this script for him, and he said, um, you know, he, he's like, listen, guys, you got to think about about a screenplay. It's like a house. Right. You got to figure out, you know, what the layout of the house is, you know, that the kitchen's over here and that this is over here and this is it. And he's like, and so he's like, so right now you guys got to go back to work and you got to figure out the layout of this house because it's not right. Yes. <laughs> it's like, having, some, some, I suppose it's like having a, a stairway that goes into the side of a wall and then it, <laughs> it just, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, the next, the next bit they turn it in and he says, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably getting it wrong, but he says something to the effect of now, um, okay, now you've got the, now you've got the, the house, right? But now the house needs a ghost. You know, right. and, and and now and or you know the wire. There's wiring over here that needs to be fixed, and it was really it's a really it was just an interesting way to think about it. But the, the other thing that he said, and this is this is to your point about turning in and, and being on time, and what you know, do I turn it in or do I keep working? Mm. Said that he and his brother now they just make a they they have a, a time, and they say, you know, at twelve o'clock on this day we are handing our script in, and he said it forces them to get, a to get it done on time but more importantly to sort of you know uh, not be precious about it put your pencil down yeah turn it in. they found that it's like it's made them better writers yeah I, th I think that makes sense i think having having some kind of parameters where you, you i mean i think it's the same actually with in terms of getting a movie made as well if you if you say i'm going to make this movie by this date and just start you know everything sort of you need to get everything to fall into line with that but if you say well i'm i'm working on something but it, it might happen it might go somewhere yeah no you're right sometimes you just gotta uh act as if exactly i mean i think i think that 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 really goes for because I mean, you know, filmmaking is so 
it, it, until it's green lit, it's all theoretical. It's it's all it, it's all in that kind of that that ballpark of uh, of all or nothing. What were some of the moments that um, once you got this first uh, this first draft that you went through um, and discussed with with George about how you'd like to make this movie and and what what more maybe changes you'd like to do and and how things were different from your perspective uh, on, on based on the first draft. Well, once we you know once we got the, a draft that we, we were happy with and got it all and got it to the place that it was ready to go and it wasn't it was wasn't long wasn't a long process mm. you know the studio uh was on board and they had basically given us a number early on and said you know you you know you can make the movie for this amount and and let's go so uh really then it just got to be about uh you know schedule when we could do it with our schedules and when he could do it you know george could do it with his schedule which is you know juggling between you know acting work and other philanthropic work and all the other stuff so once we figured out when we were going to go then it was just a matter of really just you know what we always do sort of calling the gang back together you know production designer dp uh start the uh, the wardrobe jenny you can all get everybody back you know to make sure that they can come come play with us and we just start um designing, designing, designing the way it's going to look, the way it's going to feel, you know, where, where, where are we going to shoot it? We start sending scouts out, we're working on budgets. So it's all just kind of, you know, once we say go, we just go. Mm. How much do you like to use crew that you already know or you've worked with before versus bringing in fresh people? Is, is there like a sort of a fairly expanded circle of collaborators that you, you really trust and you'll work with like 90% of them? Or do you like to have a few few new people, a few older people? Well, it always works out that, that way because generally because somebody's yeah. not available. But, you know, uh, when we find somebody we love to work with, then we love, we just keep working with yeah. them. You know, it's, it is, it is like a family. It's like, you know, mm. it's like, the circus. It's like any of those things. You spend a lot of time with these people. So not only do you want them to be talented, which they must be, but you want to be able to stand them and be able to and have a few laughs. So we, we really do work with, you know, uh, particularly, particularly department heads, I'd say, you know, 80% of the time it's the same people. Mm. Do you, do you ever have do you ever have trouble where because I mean one one person on set that maybe doesn't really want to be there or maybe doesn't quite it, it could even be that there's not even an attitude problem it's just that they don't quite gel with the other creative have you had many of those those moments as a, as a producer or is, is it is it something you sort of got quite good at spotting early now uh, I haven't had many of them but I have had them and it can be quite disruptive particularly the longer you go so. Generally, in pre-production, if you can if you can spot it and remedy it, that's the time to do it. Once you get into production, it gets it just it's like exponentially more difficult. Well, exactly, and, and then obviously the, the the energy on set becomes it's, it's kind of it can be infectious. It can be you know a bit of dissent, and then one person starts complaining, and then it, you know people are working working hard. So it's it's uh, you know I I always think it's fifty fifty you know percent as important the project you're making as the people that you're you're hiring and you know, what their work ethic is. So so moving on to, okay, so you've got the script, the script's in a good place, you've discussed a few notes and you're starting to, to build the team. Well, maybe, maybe let's talk about the the casting process and the studio's involvement at this point and, and how they're how they're reacting to, to the script and, and how things are coming together. So as we're doing, as we start to talk about casting, at this point I would have our production designer 
and locations, people out scouting. Cause that's, that's the next big thing. Figure out literally where, like, where are we actually going to make this movie? And now there's, there's a lot more involved than there used to be. It's not just about like, where is the best look going to be, but also where's the best look that we can get the best economic situation and, you know, help for production and all that stuff. So as that's happening, George and I are are casting and uh, the studio is great on casting. I mean, they knew we look, we knew going in that, you know, there, there aren't many, you know, stars that are, you know, over six feet tall and can look like they can, you know, be a rower. So uh, the fact that we found Callum for us, you know, was amazing, but we knew that what the boat wasn't going to be filled with a bunch of, so it was really more about let's fill the boat with a bunch of good looking guys. I mean, that's not such a bad thing at least. But also, but, you know, they're all, they're all good actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> they, it wasn't, you know, the, the prerequisite, I mean, before they could even, we would even, Audition them. They had to be at least six feet tall. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you go for yeah. And then making sure it's authentic. Yeah. And then it was about how they acted. And then if they acted, and they were also we also physically could believe that they could be rowers. Mm. So that was sort of for that. And then um, for the coach, you know, we're just uh, George and I are both such big fans of Joel's. He's in a sports movie. He did a film called Warrior, which is uh, oh, it's such such a good film. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great film. Is, so, yeah. And we had heard that he's a, a really good and easy guy to work with as well. Yeah. So that's who we wanted. And that's, you know, we, we went to the studio, they were fine with it. They were, they were, they were good in the casting. And I think that, you know, it, this movie is not like a crazy expensive movie. So, you know, you get a little more, you get a little more leeway. Yeah, for us is great. It, I think it's 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 nice to have those kind of the, those well regarded like powerhouse actors that you just know will will always turn up and they'll always do a, a good job. It's like this sort of Matt Damon, you know, you know you're going to get just something solid from him, you know, whatever movie you you put him in, and and um, you know, Joel Joel was fantastic in, in this, and that's a that's a great reference. The uh, MMA film that he did was, yeah. was, was absolutely fantastic. I'm not, even, I'm not even an MMA fan, but no, but that movie is uh, is the movie's really good. Yeah. So just in terms of, you know, we, t- we talked a little bit about, okay, it's not too high a budget, you know, George Clooney directing. So how much in terms of the, you know, the inverted commas casting names um, versus what they're expecting from the sales side? Um, so, I mean, was that, was that the thinking, okay, we'll, we'll cast, we'll cast Joel, we'll cast some of the older actors um, with some, you know, slightly more known faces and slightly less known faces as, as the athletes. Was that always the, the initial thinking or was it kind of more open than that? And it just sort of fitted into place. I mean, George and I kind of just say, look, this is who we want. Mm -hmm. And they don't, you know, unless it's really out of bounds they're they've been, everybody's generally been pretty great. We've had cases in other films though, where, yeah, it's been a battle because a lot of times, you know, they'd rather you put a star in and uh, even if the star isn't right for the film, even if they're not right for the part, you know, and including, including George, you know, he, he gets, he, he turns stuff down all the time, not because he doesn't like the director or he doesn't like the material. He's like, look, I'm not right for this. Yeah. 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 I'm not the right person to play this part. I just think in the, I think in the long run, you know, a film will be, it's, you know, I, I think about the, uh, the legacy of a film, you know, and, 
I think a well-acted film by the right actor is going to have better legs than a film that is, you know, not necessarily poorly acted, but it's just it's just the wrong actor. Yeah, some, sometimes a mismatch can just, you know, it, it's not the fault of the actor, it's not the fault of the director, but when you just see someone that maybe is so well identified with one type of performance or, or one character, or it just doesn't feel, you know, congruent to who they are as a as a person underneath all, all of that, it can easily jar jar the movie and it's um it's great i mean you know callum is is absolutely fantastic in this i i kept thinking i i, I kept thinking he almost looks like a young richard gear like there's something about his eyes and and, and he he's he's really got i just kept thinking this is this is like a this is like a real genius casting because he he's got that like old time movie magic which i yeah. think george is yeah, george and you have good, also brought he's a kid and you know we it's funny, you know, when you get, you know, and we did this, these were just, uh, you know, taped auditions, mm. uh, because it was still COVID times yeah. and, and we were in LA and they, he was in the UK and, you know, it's funny you watch and you kind of watch and watch a lot of auditions and then one comes through and you're, and all of a sudden you sit up and you're like, that's wow. the guy. Yeah. And, that's the guy. Yeah. And then we did a zoom with him just to make sure that he was, uh, you know, and the funny thing is, is that when we zoomed with him, he he spoke to us with uh, an American accent. Oh, okay, yeah. And then and then when he came to work, so it wasn't until uh, for me for George it was recent, even more recent. But for me, we were probably a couple a month into shooting or something, and and uh, and I was gonna we were gonna go get a dinner one night, like on yeah. a weekend, and he showed up and he started talking with his normal accent, and I was yeah. like, oh my God. I'm glad I never heard that before. We would never have cast you. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, isn't it? Because I mean, I, I was I was talking to um, my colleague Giles, and and after the movie, and he, he mentioned he was a British actor, and I just thought, what he because he, he just looks he looks like an American movie star. Uh, I mean, he's just got that. He sounds the part. He feels the part of of this role. I mean, it's a it's it's a really really sort of brilliant casting. So so did, were you shooting through through COVID for this, or partly through COVID? Yeah, in fact, yeah. when I so I landed here in in like january 3rd of 2022 yeah and i and i got off the plane and i had covid good start <laughs> then about um the, so we started shooting on a monday yeah saturday before we started shooting we decided let's that george and i were just going to have the whole cast and if they had a wife or a partner or whatever everybody for a dinner and we got a restaurant and it was like one of those restaurants in London where you, you go downstairs and there's a little private room. So we did that. And then uh, the next uh, two days later, uh, we started shooting on that Monday mm -hmm. and then everybody started going down. Joel got COVID. Yeah. Two days later, George got COVID. All the actors got COVID except for Cal. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yes, he's the hero of the story. So he we had it. to like, but but we never stopped shooting. We just worked, or we just yeah, like, you know, which I, which is which is huge pressure for you as a producer, uh, I, I guess. Well, so I had to be on the set directing, you know, and then I and then if I had a question, I would get George on a Zoom and I'd show I turn the the thing around so he could see the, the monitor and I'm like, okay, here's the takes I got. And he's like, great. Or he'd say, you know what, have him try another one or, Oh, you know what I want to, I get me an angle that from over here, whatever it was. So it was just, you know, we just had to, we just had to slog our way through it. 
I mean, that, that, that sounds like you, you obviously have a very strong collaboration to be on each other's pages to, to even be able to, to do that oh, and, yeah. and jump, we, we jump in and sort of, you know, ha- take over the reins while he's not doing so well. And we shot, you know, I, I shot all uh, this, all the second unit stuff. So we, we had already been talking, you know, constantly about how we wanted the movie to look and feel and, sure, and yeah. all that stuff. So that's oh, brilliant ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about where you you set the movie and and some of those final locations and because I mean it's it's difficult shooting in different countries, different areas in general. Um, how was that in terms of piecing that together and doing unit moves from from one place to another in the different sections? Yeah, it's you know. We were in some of those locations for, you know, uh, quite a while. So we were up in the Cotswolds for, I don't know, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And so we built a, we built a, um, basically a street up there and we used it for a lot of those street scenes you saw. We even redressed it for different scenes for the opening and for the scene where he has with his, um, father, but that was all just one little street we built like in the, in the field next to this lake that we shot. And then we built the full um, boathouse, you know, the, the Washington boathouse. We built that completely front and back, the interior, exterior. And then we shot. So we shot a lot in there. Um, I think the hardest place we shot was on the Thames in, yeah. in, in uh, Henley. Oh, just yeah. Because yeah. just logistically, that's a hard, a hard place to shoot, yeah. get in and out of. There's a lot of people. You can't literally close it down. So there's a lot of people you have to sort of deal with and um that was probably the trickiest place what in, what informed the the shooting in 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 the uk was it always just i mean was it from from a, a financial perspective does it does it make well, sense this, in this case it offered us everything that we needed which was you know we needed good places to shoot the rowing yeah and um and you've got tons of water and yeah. oddly enough it's but it's best to just, it's best to really not have anything around the water and then we can put it all in in post. Yeah, that makes sense. As opposed yeah. to the other, like, you know, if you go to Seattle now, it, it looks nothing like it did, you know, back then. And so we would end up having to do more work just to sort of, it would just, it would have been a very difficult place for us to shoot. So, you know, you, you have great crews here. And you have great uh, financial uh, incentives. So yeah, true. there's, I mean, all you, you know how much stuff is shooting here. I mean, yeah. net, between Netflix and Warner Brothers and all the different play. I mean, everybody's shooting here. And that's because yeah. there is a real depth of crew mm-hmm. and, 
and and um, both above and uh, and below the line. And also, there's you know, there's great actors here. Yeah. Well, what what are some of the main differences or maybe challenges of shooting in the UK versus America? Because obviously, you've done a lot in America. Well. But- I mean, the it depends where, you know, look, I, I wish we could shoot everything in Los Angeles cause that's where I live and I, I would like to be home. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> we also have, you know, great weather. So yeah. the weather is, is probably the most challenging thing about shooting here. You know, you can get some really bad, as you know, you can get some really bad weather and we could use a little bad weather in this movie, but we couldn't, I mean, we couldn't have a ton of bad weather. Sure. Um, so, you know, that's probably the most, and then shooting in London, in the city is it, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky to shoot here. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of people and a lot of traffic and a, a lot of logistics that have to happen. It's very but condensed. Yeah. The trade-off is you get all this beautiful scenery. Yeah. Yeah, it is stunning, and it, it does. I mean, there, there there was never a moment where I was thinking, "Oh, this is this is a this is a UK story." Like, I, I think you you did a very convincing job of 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 placing it where it's supposed to be set. Okay. Um, so so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about post. You've shot the movie. You've you've managed to survive all the COVID the COVID <laughs> waves and and all the, the those logistical challenges. Um, were there any pickups that were needed? Um, yeah, what, what, how, how, how long do you like to live, um, leave the director to, you know, George in this case, to, to go through and, and work with the editor and, and do that first or second or third edit before you like to get your eyes on it? It varies depending on the film. It's usually pretty quick that George gets a cut. He does a cut. I mean, nor- normally when we make a film, he's cutting as we go. Okay, yeah. So he might have a cut by like, two weeks after we finish this one. Um, we didn't cut as we went because the race, the, the, the racing stuff and the, all of it's just, there's so, so much footage and it really needed a kind of attention that, uh, was going to be different than anything we'd done before. So, um, this one probably was a little bit longer, but you know, it was probably like, it probably was maybe five or six weeks that I saw yeah. a cut. And then once we saw the cut, we were like, okay, th- this movie's, it's working and it's going to be good. Now we really got to figure out how to make these races sing. And that really was, that really was where the most of that work went. And it was really, you know, Tanya, our editor, mostly it was just like, okay, good. Now go back and do more. Right. So, so were some of those, were, they, were some of those pickups like the, you know, the, the, ex, the extreme close-ups on the, the, no. you know, the, the, oars? None no, of that, that was, none all, of that that was, was part of we it. didn't do any pickups. Okay, so so you've done it all in the in the you got it all in the can in the shoot. That's brilliant. We all, we yeah. had it all. I, I mean, I I spent you know days just shooting you know hands on oars and because yeah. we knew we knew we were gonna, we we had always designed it from the ve- even from the very opening of the film when um, you see the the young kids rowing that we wanted it to be we wanted these shots almost abstract. I mean, I think for for me it was um, it was it was actually. I'm not sure if it was was designed that way, but I was constantly thinking with all the close-ups and the noises of the you know the oars that something was going to snap 
uh, something was going to go wrong, one of the oars was going to fall out, um, you know, the boat was going to break or, or some kind of disaster. I was sort of vaguely aware of, of the, the real story, but I wasn't I wasn't sure which which you know sections they'd won or or, or whatever. So I, I thought that the editing especially worked um, worked incredibly well um, in, in terms of creating that sort of anxiety uh, about every facet of the race. So that, yeah. that collaboration with the editor certainly um, certainly paid off. It's not you know we we knew going in that rowing is not the most dynamic sport you know as a spectator sport so we had to figure out a way figure out a language figure out the lenses mm. uh, the, and the pieces of equipment that would allow us to make the shots to make it exciting because you know these boats uh, they're huge you, you yeah know, they're massive yeah when you see them and then and then the oars go out on the side so mm. we so if i'm in a boat with a camera i can't even get i can't even get close to the boat because of the oars you can't get in front of the boat because if you make a wake, then then they can't row. Yeah. So there's only really you have to be kind of behind them with a long arm that can get out and get to yeah. the sides and get and, and actually get around. And that's, you know, it's tricky when you're moving, they're moving, the water's moving. It, it, it was. It took us a while to to figure it out. Was that was that a lot of time in the schedule allowed for that? Because obviously they are kind of pretty key sequences, and it's, yes. it's you know it's a sports movie in a sense, so you have to do yeah. it rightly. Yeah, we definitely. You know, I mean, we shoot fast. Yeah, I'd say we probably shoot. You know, I mean, like you've heard, like Clint Eastwood shoots fast. Like, yeah. I don't know if we shoot as fast as he does, but we, but we were close. Uh, so we made sure though, that we left plenty of, we basically, we, you, the idea is we, you double the amount of time that you think you'll need. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we talked about Clint Eastwood. He's a, he's, he's sort of created a brand for himself as a, as a fast shooter. He's, he's, a, you know, anecdoted in, in so many, um, uh, filmmaking discussions, which is, yeah. which is brilliant. He's a, in fact, one of the reasons I got into directing was, um, watching Mystic River and seeing him as a, as a director. So I, I'm very fond of, um, that, that kind of method and, you know, just good American. So are we. Uh, good, good American cinema. So yeah, just in terms of the, the rehearsal and, how you prepare that side of things in this is it is it a lot of conversation because i mean it sounds sounds like with you and george at least there's a lot of conversations backwards and forwards and it's it's a lot of bouncing of ideas does that also go into the working with the actors ahead of the shoot is there a lot of discussions or is it a lot of actual rehearsing on set or a rehearsal period before the movie shoots you know what it's it's really none of those things no, I mean, okay. in in this case, for the for the boys in the boat, you yeah. know, they trained for three months together. So okay. their rehearsal was just learning how to row, and through that, they all became really great friends. Which is so, exactly yeah, okay. So so kind of bonding bonding by doing the the thing and actually becoming the teammates, which is which is brilliant. But yeah. as far as a, as a as a like, we don't we don't rehearse. Uh, and then the way that we generally work is you get on the set. I mean, look, if somebody wants to talk about stuff or if there's something sp very specific to talk about, of course, you know, uh, and also through just through conversations about wardrobe and, you know, hair and all that stuff, you know, mm. but, you know, mostly it's about get on the set, you know, get everybody out all, every, and just what the actors and us there just rehearse, you know, go through the scene and then see where it is. Sometimes it's, exactly where it needs to be and all you need to do is just shoot it other times you got to figure it out or you got to say you know what the way that this room is set up now isn't going to work let's change the so but in terms of like a real like and i've worked with 
as an actor, I've worked with people like yeah. that. And as a, and as a producer working with other directors, I have, but our style is much more, let, let's take the temperature, let's see where it is. And then just make the adjustments as we need, as opposed to, you know, do you, do you think that's because you've you've prepared the script to the point where it's a, it's at a high standard and, and combining that with the fact that you've you've both got acting backgrounds so therefore you can you can get straight to the point of what you want to adjust I think it's, I think it's both of those things yeah yeah I mean if your if your script is you know um iffy then you're spending a lot of time discussing how to make a scene work yeah. And that, and that'll kill your day. That just kills your day. It just, and it, I think it just sucks the energy out of. Yeah, definitely. Everything. In terms of casting again, if you cast someone that isn't necessarily right for it, or they just don't understand or identify with your vision as a director or how it's written on the page, then you're going to spend a lot of time and energy trying to, you know, put, push a, a salmon up the wrong stream. It's so true. Listen, when you hire the right actor, uh, really, it's the job of, of the director and who, everybody really just, you know, let them do, let, let them or her do, do it. And then, you know, of course there's always adjustments and there's always things, but it's like, you know, eh, that's great. Give me 10% more. And then they do it. And, you know, it's better than you uh, imagine it when you read it. Now, you know, there are certain scenes that maybe you, you want to rehearse if it's, um, I don't know, if it's a film that where your where your schedule is really tight and it's yeah. a long scene or there's a complicated scene, well, then there's a reason to, to rehearse it. And we might like, we might do that on a weekend before we were to shoot that scene, just to read it at least and get a sense. But, but I have worked with some people, some directors, they want to, you know, they do two weeks of rehearsal and yeah. every day you go down and sit around and read and act it out and block it. And I, I also just feel like it never feels the same as when you're on the set. That's no, right? true. Sitting around a the table. energy, isn't there? Yeah. You sit around a table and, you know, once you get in that, that, that location and, you know, it could be, you know, there could be a, there could be a glass of water that literally just changes the performance for whatever reason. So. Yeah, I do. I do really, I mean, you, you obviously know this better than anyone with a, a acting background, but I, I really do think it's not just, it's not just the acting. I, I think it's everyone being immersed in the world that is being created brings everyone's game up you know it's like it's like when you're an athlete and you go and you're rowing in the olympics something switches up a level that you're never going to get in a sort of a training uh, environment yeah game day is always you know game that's day, when yeah. you're at your best okay yeah. so um let, let's go let's go back a bit we've, we've covered this movie nicely um i'd be really interested to hear about how you and george started collaborating um and maybe maybe even how you sort of transition from acting into the, the producing side as well. Can you, can you talk about those, those backstories for yourself? George and I met when I was 19 and he was 21 in acting class. So we, that's how we met. And we, we, we did a scene together and we just became friends and we, and we remained best friends for, you know, many, many years. And then along the way we had done little things together where, you know, he, there was a movie many, many years ago. This is before he was, a famous actor that he wanted to direct and we couldn't have, we couldn't get it made, but we were going to do a, like a trailer. So we shot this trailer and then we did, uh, you know, I, I acted like he got me a couple gigs on TV shows he was on and, you know, and we were, and then if you cut to, I don't know, 20 years later, he was 
you know, a movie star and I was doing pretty well as an actor, you know, yeah. Yeah. and you got a lot of credits. lies yeah. and Congo and all yeah. these kind of big action movies, which is not a place that I expected to be in. And then there came a point where I, I just, um, I got more interested in the other side and I, I directed a short film that he was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, he was in it and Jennifer Aniston was in it. And, you know, it was just, and I loved, I just loved it. I wrote it. I directed it. I, I loved every second of it. And so that was really it. And then I um, started working with him uh, and he was at that time partners with Steven Soderbergh. Yep. And I worked for the two of them and I kind of started my way up from the bottom. I said, look, I'm just want to, just want to be on the other side of the camera. And I started sort of in doing some, a few television things and we made a television show. I just learned producing kind of just by saying, I'm the producer basically. And, uh, and then, um, and then he and I started writing together and we wrote good night and good luck. And that's kind of from there, everything. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how, how did you, how did you learn to, I mean, do you, do you think it's a lot of it's, it's people skills in terms of, in terms of producing? Cause obviously you've got to learn the technical stuff. You've got to, you've got to figure out how to negotiate, but there's a, there's a huge amount of people skills. There is a huge amount of uh, people skills. Although, I mean, there are many producers who are total dickheads and they still yeah. are successful. So <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it, it, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, I'll come back to it. It's like building a house. It's like doing anything where you, kind of are in charge of overseeing the whole thing and making sure that it comes in time on budget quality. And so they were, those were all skills that I, I felt really confident with. I really think that for me, the thing was really just understanding material and, and figuring out how to, how to develop and identify good material. Yeah. That is the, is the, is the, the, the 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 fun part and also the most challenging part. Because mm. you, you started in Intolerable Cruelty. That was your first co-producing. Is that right? Yeah, but when you know this, that was one of the classic. You know, I so I you know a producer who I knew gave me the script yeah. and I read it. And I I loved it and it was Cohen Brothers. I mean, what you know, yeah. and I, just, I, and like. I yeah. gave it to George and I said you should because I think he had read it a long uh, and he read it again and then I said you should do this and he's like yeah I should do this and so his agent at the time you know like got me a co-producing credit and you know like a yeah. a tiny fee so I and so the the joke with the Cohen Brothers was and you know now I know those guys and I know their their line producer a guy named Bob Graff really well yeah. And the joke was like, you know, when's Grant Heslov showing up? You know, because my name's on there and all this stuff. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> um, and subsequently, I actually did a I did a short film that they directed um, uh, that I acted in with um, uh, Josh Brolin. So uh, I I bring it up to them all the time about how I was the, the you know the reason that that movie Intolerable yeah. Cruelty happened. But then you you went you went briefly into Unscripted in K Street, which is TV, which is completely different world. Um, before you then did Good Night and Good Luck, which is your first producer, producer, is that right? No, I produced those no. other two things as well. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And that, so I learned a ton because mm. that was just, you know, that was really just me and George. I mean, we literally, we directed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, you know, we, we even operated the cameras. We did everything. We had to join the union to, to, to do that. Right. But then Good Night and Good Luck was the first feature 
Yeah, feature. Yeah, yeah. And what was what was the process in terms of of getting that made? Was it was it enough at that point that George was obviously very well known, or, or was it still was it still quite challenging uh, for for both of you to to get this this feature film made? Like in terms of the well, financing. What made it more challenging is that we wanted to to do it in black and white. Yeah, which is never popular. With, and so with, that was yeah. just. And so we actually we were at what you know our deal was at Warner Brothers at the time, mm. and they had just started Warner Independent. Uh, because George okay, yeah. and Steven Soderbergh said, look, we need a place to do our smaller films. You know, we don't want to, you know, the only place at the time to do films like that was, you know, was the, was Harvey Weinstein and mm. like, let, let us, let's do them with you. And so they started a division just for those guys. And the first film that we brought them was good night and good luck. And they're like, no, we can't do it black and white. So uh, we ended up just getting some, uh, independent, money to finance it. And, uh, uh, it wasn't hard to do that, you know, cause George was in it. Yeah. And then, and it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a great, it's a great movie. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, that movie was, you know, it was under $7 million. So yeah. it wasn't an expensive film. Even, even at the time it wasn't an expensive yeah, film. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, uh, it's a very affordable budget for um, yeah. for that kind of. I wish cast I could do well. every film for that budget. Yeah. Do, do you do you feel like those kind of films? I mean, I I feel you know it's a, it's a bit of a cliche, but everyone says that the sort of the Hollywood indie or the you know those those just great good quality independent dramas with that, that are made at a high level are just you know almost it, it, it used to be that it was hard. Now it's almost impossible. Um, I'm hearing from so many producers. Do, do you struggle to to get those things made these days? Is it is yeah. it hard? Do you have to just push the budget up and, and make it more of a? The economics are hard. You know, that's those in between those in between films. You know, so either you got to figure out a, a way to make them more. I have we have one now that we're trying to make, and it's a little more expensive than it should be because it it there are some big crowd scenes. But you have to have them. The, yeah. the film doesn't work, so it, it's the, it's kind of the way things have gone. It is it is frustrating. It's a really frustrating. It is difficult part of the business, but it is a business. It is a business. Yeah, yeah. But but the business is also as much the ideas as it is the all the bells and whistles that we talk about, and and the you know the commerciality. It is very much down to good writing and and good good storytelling. Um, At the end of the day, to me, that's that that's always. Rises, you know, if it's a good at whatever budget level, if it's a million dollar film, if it's a two hundred million dollar film, mm. you know, if it works, you know, it, it's because there was good writing to start with, mm. and uh, a, a and a good director. It's just yeah. it's impossible to do it any other. I think any other way, unless uh, you know, there's some magical power that I'm not aware of. So, so you mentioned a little bit earlier about finding good ideas as being the hardest thing. How, how, how do you find, how do you find scripts? I, I mean, sometimes, okay, the most recent one, you got given a nice story by the studio and it's, it's a, it's a great movie, but it's not always as, as simple as that. Sometimes it's, it's far harder. What, what is your vetting process? How do you and George look for new material? You know, we're constantly scouring, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, we get a lot of stuff sent to us, so there's that, that but, helps, yeah. but more proactively, it's, you know, it's doing a ton of, we do a ton of reading, mm. um, meeting with writers, you know, and developing relationships. And so that when they do, you know, a lot of times 
I'll, I'll read an article or have see a story and then I'll say, Hey, this might be great for so-and-so. And then, and then we talk and, and then they spark to that. And then all of a sudden there's a collaboration that can happen. And you never, you never know when it, where a good piece of material is going to come from, you know, Argo was just a, it was a wired article that I read. That's a, you know, I read it and I was like, yeah. I'd never heard the story before. What an interesting way to talk about that part of our history that yeah. nobody, I don't, I didn't know anybody who knew that story. And so, and that's all that was. And, um, but a lot of times it's a book because a book, you, you know, what you have, yeah. you know, it's your, I mean, you could screw it up and, and quite yeah. often you do, but, uh, it, you know, that there's a great story in there. And that's why we almost never buy, I never buy a pitch and very rarely. That's, I shouldn't that's, say not, that's, that's not adapted, adapted. You mean we yeah. did, we did, we did recently do a pitch, and it's turned out, it, it, it's turned out to be a, a great film. But it's the only time I've ever done that, and it was very specific. It was a very specific kind of thing. But so just to just to wrap things up, um, if you had a last bit of advice, let's say probably as a as a producer, maybe if you could go back and and offer yourself some some tips, uh, moments you've really struggled through, or uh, just some some ideas you might give to yourself. The best the best thing you can do for yourself as a producer is get get on a set, get get in an, get in a production office, get you know just you got to get your hands dirty. And if, if you feel yourself struggling, like, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do this or I can't break in. You just, you got to figure out a way, you know, to, to start at the, start at the bottom yeah. and be a, be a production assistant or what, whatever it takes. If you show up and do the job, you, you know, you will rise just the way it is because it's, we're always, we're always looking for people that we, that we can count on. That's it. It's 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 hard work, and it's it's not just the you know putting the ten thousand hours into your your specialty. It's it's just going through the trenches, and every time you go through those hard moments, the next time it happens on a film and something crazy goes wrong, you, you're you're just a bit more prepared to to deal with it. Exactly. Lovely. Well, you know, we we both thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Great. Really enjoyed talking to you, and um, yeah, we wish you the the best Thanks. of success. I with appreciate it. this. Is fun. Thank you. Oh, there we have it. Uh, that was Dom chatting with Grant Hesloff. How great was that? It was, uh, it was pretty exciting. It was. Exciting. It must have been exciting to chat to him, you know, being this big Hollywood producer who's, you know, hugely in the game at the moment. It was, it was and it was like, it, it was like sort of speaking to the other half of George Clooney anyway. Like they were, you know, they, they really half? do sound Top like half? two... Uh, I, I say like the left, left, right, right half. Not back so maybe side. The left. Front side. Okay. Not the back side. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Um, go for a sort of uh, a, la- a lateral incision <laughs> on the, the, the dual personality. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, he, he's um, definitely felt like they're just you know they're, they're two sort of just so in tune collaborators that, that they are like you know part of the same creative entity, uh, and that's so that was quite exciting to get to get stuck into that yeah yeah i really liked uh, when you were talking about the ip that whole situation why you should be nimble as independent filmmakers all that stuff just gold and really interesting and important and he just gave so much cool advice as well so well done another mm. great chat you've had to start off 2024 on the filmmakers podcast dom well done primo yes. host thank you one day you'll get that mantle officially and we'll do a blue plaque outside your house or something yeah Don Lenoir once lived here (laughs) was Prima host on the Filmmakers podcast lived, laughed, loved (laughs) his claim to fame (laughs) lived, laughed, loved 
Puns. Puns. <laughs> so yeah, The Boys in the Boat is out now. Go watch it. I love this movie. Uh, and, and, and my mate Joel Fillimore is in the film as well. Uh, he was in my movie, Arthur and Merlin, Knights of Camelot. And he's great. And that's that was the big break he, he needed. It to was the big break he needed for George. George obviously watched <laughs> Arthur and Merlin beforehand and went, oh, yeah. that's the kid I need in my that's boat. The guy, that's yeah. the guy. That's, that's the guy. That's that's what yeah. I do. Interestingly, Richard Shaw, who was starred as King Arthur in Arthur and Merlin Knights of Camelot, which is available now on all good and evil uh, streamers, he sent his... I, I cut some footage when we are in the middle of filming, and he sent that to Joel Cohen, with him sword fighting and on a horse, and that got him cast. I, I, I'm saying that's not the main reason, but one of the reasons uh, he got cast in... Got him cast as the horse. Uh, got, ca- got him cast in Macbeth. <laughs> Denzel Washington's yeah. film, which Richard takes a wow. huge role in. Yeah, so Joel Cohen has watched yeah. some of Arthur and Merlin. So technically, George Clooney could have as well. There's hope for all of he us. Could yes. well have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we will see you on Tuesday uh, when we don't know who it's going to be, but it could be someone. No, but it will be someone amazing. It could be someone. It could be. <laughs> we can all agree on that. Someone. We definitely agree on that. What a surprise for you. Until then. Go out there and do something about your career. Write to those people. Get stuff done. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to... Row the elevator down the stream. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just picturing an elevator in a stream now. Yeah. And someone in it rowing. It's like the end of the world movie. It's like the end we start from type. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. And someone's yeah. in yeah, that yeah. elevator or lift, and they're there in it with yeah. an oar. And it's Arnold Schwarzenegger with his horse from True Lies. There you go. Which Grant Heslov stars in. There we there go. There you There's go. A what, a, what a full turnaround of events. Aren't we amazing? Yes. No, we're not. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, and until <laughs> next Tuesday. We're both available for creative pitching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but until that moment, <laughs> we will see you next Tuesday. Oh, you'll certainly hear from us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye.